Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Good to have you here. This is Maximize Your Influence with Kurt Mortensen. This is episode 310. As we get into some sell secrets and statistics out there that are changing the world of persuasion and influence. Excited to have you here. We learn to maximize your income, lead better, sell better, think better, be better, live better, make more money, whatever it is you're looking for. We all know it's on the other side of persuasion, influence, of course, self-persuasion. Just got back from San Diego. Been there quite a few times in the last couple of months. Hadn't been there for a while, but of course, beautiful place. Perfect weather. Everywhere else is getting cold, but San Diego's getting warm. It was like 90 degrees, and I did something that I've never really done before. I put myself out there. I was asked to do bullying and harassment training, which is not really my world, but then I started to think about it. That is my world. Now, I took it to stretch me because it's something I hadn't done before, and they were pestering me to do that. And I wouldn't say bullying, but you know, they really wanted me to come. And when I teach persuasive presentations, if you've been to that seminar, you know, I teach that there's no such thing as a boring topic, only a boring presenter. So I wanted to stretch myself. Number one, number two, can I make this topic interesting, engaging, fun? Can we laugh? Are we allowed to laugh during harassment, bullying training? So I wanted to stretch myself, of course, and that's an interesting topic, but even better than that, that is a form of influence. And that's what grabbed my attention. I mean, really grabbed me that made it interesting for me is that when people harass or bully, threaten, intimidate, force, coerce, any of those, that's a form of influence. And it's the wrong form of influence, but it is a form of influence. The opposite is respect. I mean, respect, there's people skills and charisma and trust and listening versus disrespect or force when you bully, harass, intimidate. It's a form of influence. And so I kind of do a little research trying to figure out, okay, why do people do that then? There's better forms of influence, but in their mind, there probably isn't. Why do people bully and harass? Well, it could be a function of low self-esteem, which usually is a function of they grew up in that atmosphere, that environment, and that's the only way they know how to do things. It could be a function of missing some filters. Some people just are missing the filters. They just don't have that emotional intelligence that we're going to talk a little bit about today. Sometimes it is the environment that it's just been accepted for so long. But I think one of the bigger ones is lack of tools, right? Because people don't always want to bully and threaten. Some people just do it automatically, but some people try to be nice and they do the data dump and they do the people skills and they try to reward them. And if none of those work, the only tools they have, they threaten, they bully, they get upset, they get angry, they shout, they intimidate because they don't have enough tools. So shout out, San Diego. We had some fun. I know it was a tough one, but hey, I took it head on. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about with bullying and harassment and intimidation. The wrong form of influence tools, but it is influence usually when people just don't have the tools, the filter, or the self-esteem, or maybe a little bit of all three of those. Also, spending some time this week to get ready to go back to the Middle East, going back to Qatar and Doha. And uh, we'll be doing some seminars out there. So come visit if you want to. It's a great side of the world. Good people, good hearts, good food. 
I'll fill you in on what happens there. But let's jump into it. Let's do it. Let's do our blunder, Homer. Don't, don't, don't. Now, this happened a few months ago. It was a summer barbecue. Now, if this is true around the world, I think it is, is that mustard's yellow and ketchup is red. The bottles, right? You've probably seen those plastic bottles where the yellow's mustard, duh. The ketchup is red, duh. And it was at a barbecue, and they had the mustard and the ketchup, but they didn't have any white bottles for the mayo. So they just took an extra yellow one and wrote mayo on it in a Sharpie, a black pen, and put mayo, white mayo, in a yellow mustard bottle, right? No harm, no foul, no big deal. Good use of your resources. You had an extra bottle, but it's a blunder. It doesn't work because you felt it. That subconscious trigger didn't feel right. Pouring mayo out of a yellow bottle just doesn't work, doesn't feel right, and it won't even taste right for most people. That is a challenge. We've talked about the power of colors and how it affects subconscious triggers. In fact, go to the archives. Check out our podcast on colors and the feelings that they trigger. Heinz Ketchup came out with green ketchup. Hello, doesn't feel right. Margin, when it came out, it was white. Yeah, it's got to be look at least a little bit like butter. Putting food coloring in strawberries and orange juice changes the flavor. actually changes what fires in your brain. It actually tastes better, even though it's the exact same. Milk, taint the plastic yellow. It'll last three days younger, but nobody buys yellow milk. It's real. Think about it. Subconscious triggers is a real thing, especially in the world of colors. So that will be the blunder. And, of course, send me your blunder, things that you're seeing at Kurt, K-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's home for everything you need. You can contact me, take advantage of a free coaching session with me. You can also take your Persuasion IQ test, get the free book, Maximize Your Influence, pick up a little shipping and handling, all there at one spot, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. There's our plug. Go there. Let me know what you're thinking, feeling, thoughts, even future topics on the show. Would love to hear that at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. All right, time for that geeky, I guess this was one of an article, it's more of a website. This was from Fast Company and Career Builder, who interviewed over 2,600 hiring managers. It's a pretty hefty study. And 71% of those hiring managers said that high EQ was more important than high IQ, right? We've talked about that before. We know what IQ is, how smart you are. But if you don't have the EQ or what's called emotional intelligence, it's just not going to happen for you. Study after study shows this is more and more important, that high emotional intelligence. And you're thinking, okay, well, what really is emotional intelligence? I don't know if you've thought about that or not. Let's go to the source, the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and they call it a different kind of smart. So there's your personal competence, it's made up of your self-awareness and self-management skills, which focus more on you individually than on your interactions with other people. So that's your own emotional intelligence, knowing your own emotions, and that's your personal competence is your ability to stay aware of your emotions and manage your behavior and tendencies. If you're quick to anger, always frustrated, always resentful, always fill in the blank, that could be a challenge. If your emotions are managing you, then you would have a low emotional intelligence. But when you can manage your emotions, know what you're feeling, manage your behavior and your tendencies, then you have a high personal competence. And that can be a function of self-awareness and your ability to accurately perceive your emotions and stay aware of them as they happen. And of course, self-management is your ability to use awareness of your emotions as a flexible 
and positively direct your behavior. So that's one piece of emotional intelligence, your own self. Managing your emotions, dealing with your emotions, understanding your emotions, and being in control of your emotions. The second piece is social competence. It's made up of your social awareness and relationship management skills. Social competence is your ability to understand other people's moods, behaviors, and motives in order to improve the quality of the relationship. So that's a function of social awareness. That would be your ability to accurately pick up on emotions in other people and understand what is really going on. And number two, relationship management is your ability to use awareness of your emotions and the other emotions to manage interactions successfully. So yet another study putting emotional intelligence much further ahead of your IQ. I mean, you got to have a little both. You got to have your core competence. That's about 15% of your success. The other 85% is the soft skills. And one of those soft skills is emotional intelligence. But as you look at this study, right, these are hiring managers. We said, okay, why? We know what emotional intelligence is, that high IQ, 71%. That's more important than smart. And part of that is, is you got to teach smart or very few people when they graduate, let's say from college, really use what they learn. They have to be trained. And so they need that high emotional intelligence. I mean, you still have to have a basic IQ. So they went to the hiring managers and said, why? So this is what they said. High EQ employees are better at staying calm under pressure, dealing with those emotions. They listen as often or more often than they speak, right? They're gathering intelligence, understanding the emotions. They make more thoughtful business decisions. I think that means they're not as rash with their decisions. They, they think them through. The next one is they take criticism well and admit their mistakes and learn from them. The next one is they can keep their emotions in check and can discuss tough, sensitive issues thoughtfully and maturely. And finally, they are empathetic to coworkers and react accordingly. Especially when you do harassment, threatening, bullying, intimidation training, that is usually people with very low EQ. They just don't read people very well. They don't get it. Especially when you talk about sexual harassment and asking for that 17th date and getting the 17th no, you're like, say, okay, filter. If they don't like you, don't ask him out again. And some people are missing those filters. So work on your EQ. Not only personally your own emotions, but reading the emotions of others. Which brings us to a listener email. This is from Sandra, Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, boy. Sandra, you get the gold membership of Influence University, our advanced persuasion tool training. Anybody's email we use on the podcast gets that membership. So send in your emails, send in your questions. This is what she says. Kurt just finished the perfect persuasive presentations, and I'm already getting better close rates. Cool. I'm a rabid sales professional and love the game of selling. I came across this website at GetCRM.com and has some interesting persuasion and sales data and statistics. Can you let me know if you think they are true and how can I implement more tools with this new data? Let's check it out. And of course, we'll put the link at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Now, GetCRM.com, I do know them. They do a lot of research on just raw data and sales and persuasion and influence and some of these things you can think about your business, whether you're a leader, manager, sales, entrepreneur, doesn't matter. You got to think about some of these numbers and maybe start trying to implement them into your business. One is customers are four times more likely to buy when referred by a friend. Yeah, duh, we know that one. I think it's probably even a little higher, but we know when there's a referral, there's borrowed credibility, there's more trust. It's just easier for everybody involved. So you want to make sure you have some type of referral program in place or a way to ask people for 
testimonials or referrals because it is. It's simple. When a friend likes it, it's simple. It's easy. I agree. Next one is one offline word of mouth impression drives sales five times more than one paid impression. Well, that makes sense, obviously, that it's when you pay for someone, it's obviously pay for someone. It's not going to have the same oomph, we'll call it, as word of mouth impression. Then for those who do cold calling, they say 75% of executives polled were prompted to attend an event or appointment as a result of a cold call or an email. 75%. It still works. It's not the funnest thing, but it is a way to get prospects. Teleprospectors make between 100 and 500 calls for every lead they qualify. 100 to 500. But if that's the lead, that's the sale, that's the one making the big bucks, and it's worth it. 100 dials a day is good just when you're dialing with your finger. Now, 500, I'm assuming that's an auto dialer that's making the calls for you. 44% of salespeople give up after one follow-up. We know that's a challenge. It usually takes four or five, but people give up right away. Then they take a look at email. When email is personalized to them, maybe get to know them a little bit, something unique about them, 14% improvement in click-through rates and 10% improvement in conversion rates just by personalizing it a little bit. People who buy products marketed through email spend 138% more than people that do not receive email offers. I'm not sure about this other one, 138% more. There's something about email marketing. And then I love is the timing. There is a 10x drop in lead qualification when you wait longer than five minutes to respond. Wow, when they hit that button, when they hit submit, you don't have a lot of time. It's on their brain. I agree that the quicker you get to it, it's on their brain, it's on their mind. If you wait till the next day, give them a little time, they're going to forget about it. I did. I requested that information. They might not even remember. And they go on to say that 24% of all email opens occur within the first hour of delivery. Interesting number. I, I guess I don't agree or disagree. It seems like people are taking a lot longer to go through all their email and to respond just because we're getting so many emails. Then you look at the digital revolution. That 67% of the buyer's journey is done online or, or digitally. Yeah, that's where it starts. You look, you've got your friend Google. You're looking it up, figuring it out on your own. You want to become the expert. And here's one, eh, take it with a grain of salt. Seven out of 10 executives believe that technology will replace human interaction with customers in the next decade. Maybe for some products like Amazon, a book or something like that. But we start dealing with the high end. You need that face to face. You need to be talking over the phone. Big products, products that are solving bigger problems. You're probably going to need more interaction because just people aren't getting that interaction. So that's going to depend on the product or service. Then there's social media. 43% of consumers are far more likely to buy a new product when learning about it from friends on social media. And 55% of B2B buyers search for information on social media. So it's still there. It's still influencing people. Get your name out there on social media. If you're in that hardcore sales, as it was called, 77% of sales emails don't get opened. 79% of all marketing leads are never converted to sales. And 82% of B2B, that's business-to-business -business decision makers, think sales reps are unprepared. Uh, there's some challenges there. It's going to depend on the industry and how warm your list is and where you're getting your leads. It is interesting, and you should open your eyes on this one, that 82% of decision makers think sales reps are unprepared. That means they're saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, asking the wrong questions, not developing trust, not becoming across as the expert. 82% of 
That should be something to think about. Even though you're a good, trustworthy person, you're an expert, you know your stuff, you might not be coming across that way. 82% says the sales reps are unprepared. Here's another interesting piece on lead nurturing. That businesses that use marketing automation to nurture prospects see a 451% increase in qualified leads. Some type of autoresponder, maybe a drip campaign, whatever you want to call it. Just keep your name out there. Get them educated. Get them some good information. Prove your worth as a company or as an expert is a way to do that. It also knows that nurtured leads make 47% larger purchases than non-nurtured leads. Just something about that. So a couple takeaways I want you to think about with this is your nurturing. Is that just because they say no, keep them in your system, get them into a database, give them a drip campaign, and just don't always email, you should buy, you should buy, you should do this. Send good, valuable information that they like to read, that proves your worth, that shows them that you're the expert, that you're trustworthy enough for them to do business with you. I mean, that's a critical thing too, and that most people don't trust you. You've got to earn that trust. You've got to build that credibility. You've got to come across the expert. It doesn't matter how smart you are. How high your IQ is if you're not coming across the right way. Remember that 82% number, unprepared. They were just going through the motions. And part of that too is, and I've talked about this many a times, is that you tend to persuade others how you like to be persuaded. You tend to sell how you like to be sold, and that's wrong. And when you do that, they're going to think you're unprepared or not trustworthy. You've got to get in and persuade them how they want to be persuaded. We know the power of social media. Get your name out there. Get those referrals. Get those testimonials. Get those endorsements. Do realize that people are going online to figure out what's going on. And I know your competitors are probably posting bad stuff about you. That's just how it is. There's great things on the internet about you, your company. There's probably some bad things, but that's where they're starting their journey. And you have to be aware of it, what they're seeing for the first time. The longer it takes to get to somebody, whether it be email or phone call or whatever it is, the qualification drops dramatically. And you've got to spend more than one time When they say no or they don't get back to you, you've got to be persistent. And so persistence and timing. And research does show that 35 to 50% of sales go to the vendor that responds first. Because usually they're filling out two or three forms or first one to talk to them. It's almost what one third to half your sales go to the person that responds first, develops that relationship. And the best time to qualify leads is Wednesdays and Thursdays. Isn't that interesting? So, Sandra, for the most part, it looks like those are right on. I mean, a lot of unknowns as far as market and average is what they're using, but some good information to help you adjust some of the things that you are doing since you consider yourself a rabid sales professional. I like how you say that. You got to love the game. You get out there, you're persuading. You win some, you lose some, but you get out there and you win, you become better. That's what it takes to win the game of persuasion and sales. So, do appreciate your email. Welcome to Influence University. Remember, you can find Maximize Your Influence at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, Spotify, iTunes. We're also on Pinterest and Instagram under Max Influence. Hey, appreciate your time. Appreciate your feedback. Appreciate your kind comments. And it makes it a lot of fun to do this podcast. But do tell your family and friends and enemies. Hit like, hit subscribe, whatever you need to do. Join us on the YouTube channel, Maximize Your Influence, where I supersize some of the things I talk about on the podcast give you another tool in the world of persuasion and influence. So think about the data, that raw data we talked about. There's some things you can pull from it, some of those averages, some changes you can make, but make those changes, become better at sales, increase your ability to influence, and go out and persuade with power. (laughs) 